At KPMG, our people make the difference. It's not just something we say, it's what we do. Combining the power of people and technology, we uncover brighter insights, innovate bolder solutions, and create better data-driven outcomes. KPMG, make the difference. Welcome to Pod Save America. I'm John Favreau. I'm John Lovett. I'm Tommy Vitor. On today's show, our final pre-election pod, we'll talk about how both parties closed with dueling rallies in Pennsylvania featuring Joe Biden, Barack Obama, and Donald Trump, uh, what we'll be watching for on election night, and what it felt like on the ground in Nevada this weekend. You'll also hear from some of the organizers and candidates we talked to in Las Vegas, and later, we'll play a little game about Elon Musk's Twitter. It should be fun. But first, if you are listening to this before the polls have closed... You can still make a difference in this election. We are heading down to Irvine after we finish recording to help get out the vote for Katie Porter. If you go to votesaveamerica.com slash volunteer, we'll have all kinds of ways for you to channel your anxiety into actual useful action uh, right up until the polls closed. So uh, do it right now. It matters. Come right down to the wire in a whole bunch of different races. Uh, All right, let's get to the news. Three presidents, two parties. One perennial battleground state of Pennsylvania. It's where all the action was on the final weekend of the 2022 midterms. In Philadelphia, Presidents Biden and Obama spoke at a rally for Josh Shapiro, who was a healthy lead over Doug Mastriano in the governor's race, and John Fetterman, who was somehow basically tied with Dr. Oz. Here's some of what they said at the event. Oz and Pennsylvania? Look! in Pennsylvania longer than Oz has lived in Pennsylvania. And I moved away when I was 10 years old. This guy loves to talk a good game about freedom, right? Let me tell you something. It's not freedom to tell women what they're allowed to do with their bodies. That's not freedom. It's not freedom to tell our children what books they're allowed to read. It's not freedom when he gets to decide who you're allowed to marry. I say love is love. It's about fundamental values that my grandparents from Kansas taught me. Values I grew up with. Values you grew up with. Values we try to teach our kids. Values we learn in churches and mosques and synagogues and temples. Honesty, fairness, opportunity, hard work. Values that Josh Shapiro and John Spetterman stand for. Values that Joe Biden stands for. What would you guys think of the Democrats' final rally in Philly? That uh, the Josh Shapiro speech got quite a bit of traction. Yeah, he seems like uh, 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 that's one message box subscriber that we can count at least. <laughs> that was uh, a very Pfeiffer riff. Yeah, it was great to, you know, like I think because Doug Mastriano is such a terrible candidate, uh, I think like Josh Shapiro has had a little bit of space and hasn't been sort of covered for how kind of disciplined and excellent a campaign he's been running. Uh, but I'm glad to see because he did. A, he's been doing a riff like that for quite some time. And it was nice to see it get a little national attention because I think it. It wasn't just that it was on message and covering a lot of issues that we all think is important. It was it was sort of to me like, oh, like when when we talk in the abstract about 
Democrats trying to take the mantle of freedom and using that as a big part of our argument. It's easy to imagine it. It's nice to see it in actual practice. And it was like, oh, that is like a really powerful argument, a broad, big argument for a kind of uh, uh, like kind of freedom politics that I think is very exciting for us to use going forward, regardless of what happens. Yeah, I mean, he's a good candidate and um, uh, it was great to see him. I mean, I also think there's some truth to the fact that you can use the same lines on a bigger stage and it just sounds bigger and better when you have like yeah. 7,000 people or whatever it was um, cheering for you. I also thought Biden sounded great at this event. The line about Dr. Oz not living in Pennsylvania any longer than Biden did and Biden moved when he was 10 was like funny and effective and a good hit. Obama was great. So yeah, I was uh, it was exciting to see like a big event with a lot of energy at the end of the campaign. It's one of Biden's best lines in the campaign. Yeah, yeah. It really was uh, that was great. Uh, on the Josh Shapiro thing, yeah, we have talked a lot about John Fetterman because he's been such an exciting candidate. Josh Shapiro has been running a fantastic race. You're right. He's had an opponent who is extreme, uh, has not like spent any money on television ads, has been sort of one of the few Republicans that's been kind of sort of abandoned by the National Party. Because he said he was going to do 40 days of prayer. Yeah, I mean, campaign, he is I like, a, he, yeah, he's like Confederate cosplay and everything. Yeah. It's, he's not he's not a, uh, not a great candidate. But I would say like, you heard that riff from Shapiro in the clip we just played. There was another one where he also said like, if you don't look like Doug Mastriano, if you don't vote like him, if you don't read the books he reads, he doesn't respect you. He, you're not for him. And I just think it was a great, we talk a lot about how to make democracy real and tangible for people and how uh, political identity has become so powerful as an indicator in this country of what you do. And that was a way to sort of use identity, but also do it broadly, right? Yeah. And so there is a wide swath of people that Josh Shapiro is, is mm -hmm. trying to appeal to there by saying like, look, I'm the one, the Democrats are the one who are tolerant of every kind of person here. And Doug Mastriano is the one who just wants people exactly like him. And it's funny, I because um, like I talked to Josh Shapiro a couple weeks ago when we were in, I guess that was the, the Philly show. And he used all those lines in conversation. You know, he used all those riffs in conversation. And it's a good example of just a politician who's just been working it on the stump and kind of grinding it out and figuring out what works. Because I saw, you know, I saw him do those lines and I saw them really, really work mm -hmm. on like just sort of Philadelphia, our kind of progressive audience. But clearly, like, I think he has been kind of very, you know, smartly kind of really honing this message quietly for the last six months. And he's just so disciplined. Even when we talk, when you talk to him, you just see that he is just a incredibly disciplined politician. We talked to him on Pod Save America. Couldn't like, get him off message. Couldn't get him off message. And we're like, oh man, that guy, couldn't, we couldn't get yeah. him off message. That was, uh, that was uh, uh, you know, as hard as we pushed. Reminds me of what in 04 when I would be in the office and Obama would walk up to me and be like, we worship an awesome God in the blue states. And yeah. I'd be like, right, but room for cream. Yeah. Or, or you'd take it. <laughs> and he was sugar. like, hey, hey, out of many, one. Right. Yeah. And like, just, uh, again. Tommy, I could no, I could no sooner disown <laughs> my, my grandmother. To Obama's point that he made to us on the uh, Pod Save America interview, where the, which got a lot of traction when he talked about the Democratic Party sometimes being a buzzkill. The antithesis of that was Josh Shapiro's message that it that we are the party that is like, it's like I'm drunk open to oh, everyone <laughs> that is open to everyone and and Doug Mastriano's yeah. party is the buzzkill because they only want you to think exactly like they do like that was yeah. such a good example of that. On the other side of the state, just outside Pittsburgh, Donald Trump spoke at a rally for Mastriano and Oz, where he, of course, focused almost entirely on his own ambitions and petty grievances. Here's a clip. They must think I'm going to announce for president tonight. That's. That's a lot. That's a lot of people. I promise you, in the very next very, very, very short period of time, you're going to be so happy, okay? 
Trump at 71, Ron DeSanctimonious at 10 percent, Mike Pence at 7. Oh, Mike's doing better than I thought. Mike's doing better than I thought is so funny. (laughs) (laughs) The uh, first of all, I saw so much coverage of like just sort of giddy sort of rock hard journalists saying he called him to sanctimonious he called him to sanctimonious <laughs> <laughs> and i thought it was like when i went to watch the clip i was like oh it's gonna be in a riff but no he just sort of tested it out yeah. he threw it in he's he looked away from the camera while he did it. he didn't want a clip of it he was just trying he just sprinkling it in it's it's uh it's the difference between like so many politicians who they got a good line from their speechwriter or someone and then they deliver it and then look like ah, I didn't nah. like it. Like he just sort of yeah. Yeah. Was, um Oz has been trying to fool people into thinking he's a moderate. Why do you think he decided to show up with Donald Trump the weekend before the election? I don't think he had a choice. I think Donald Trump does what even Donald Trump wants credit for any and all victories, and he's starting to smell blood in the water. So he's going to show up wherever he wants to show up to claim credit. Is my guess. Yeah. But like, I mean, also Dr. Oz is not smart. He told people at that same rally tomorrow morning. I want you to contact ten people. Do it before the Steelers game. Steelers have a bye this week. That okay. Was amazing. That's outrageous. <sighs> what disgusting. Everybody fucking. I heard about that. that from more people than I did about everybody uh, knows the DeSantis Steelers have a bye game. The Steelers suck, but they had a bye week. They have a bye week. So they couldn't lose. I think someone would let him know that. You you'd think. The uh, I mean, phone. look. I, I mean, he also uh, went to uh, he had the crudite thing. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, it's also part of the sort of dynamic that we've seen for the last couple of weeks, which is Republicans are viewing kind of base uh, uh, events that turn out their base as worth it, even if they're in some ways alienating to some of the independents. Like you have uh, these uh, uh, big rallies for for J.D. Vance. You have Trump out there, but then Tim Ryan doesn't want the Democrats out there. You have kind of, it's just a, we're, it's just they're playing for different people. And I think what we've all said, you know, if, if Republicans have this massive turnout machine in the midterms, and if we can match it, we can match it. But they're relying on trying to get that whole, whole base out. Yeah, they're relying on a base only strategy. Yeah. And especially Dr. Oz, because Dr. Oz took some it took him some time to consolidate the republican base longer than a lot of the other republican candidates so he probably felt like he needed this in the end and their bet is probably that like if he ends up winning independence it's going to be larger forces that help him win the independence like people just being pissed about the economy and so whether trump is there or not is not going to make a huge difference to him nbc reported that trump uh, very seriously considered announcing for president at that rally, but advisors convinced him not to, uh, though, if, as you heard, he did say he will very, very probably do it. And also, uh, we're recording this Monday morning. I just saw Jonathan Swan from uh, Axios report that um, a bunch of Republicans think that he possibly, Trump possibly could announce that he's running today or tonight at the uh, J.D. Vance rally in Ohio. <laughs> I think the guy, like, he's a TV guy. He's a TV producer. He just likes to tease and tease and tease. But at this point, it's like, you know, when you're watching a show that was written for network or for some sort of like a, a show with commercials and you're watching on Netflix and it'll repeat the last like minute of whatever you just watched after the where the commercial break was supposed to be. That's what I feel like with Trump every time. Yeah. yeah, repeating, teasing, teasing. It's not going to happen. He's going to do it. Yeah, At some point, he's well, look, I, I just think that there's like um, we've been wondering. It, it, it lost in the like last couple of weeks of the midterms is like Donald Trump's going to run for president. Yeah, like the, the the paperwork he's sending into the FEC is going to like pass the Justice Department paperwork in the mail. That <laughs> they're like he's in a race against time. Yeah, look, I I, I do think that like if he's not, it'd be I'd be very surprised. You know, prove me wrong. This this whole episode's going to turn to a fucking brown banana in seven seconds anyway. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but uh, like, if you're gonna announce, you don't announce Monday night. You announce on Tuesday night when the whole country's watching. He's seeing good returns come in. He goes to the mic and he does it. Uh, but he clearly wants to do it fast because if he's gonna get indicted, he wants to be indicted for political purposes. 
Yeah, or he can do it after he gets indicted. Either he's yeah. <laughs> either way, there's a case for him. Yeah, I, yeah. There's a lot of people like we got to indict him first. I'm like, guys, no, it no. doesn't. I'm not. He, I'm not saying. No, that I know. They no, have no, I'm just saying. So everyone else knows because we have been getting some questions about that. It's like, no, no. If he gets indicted, he's still going to run for president. I don't. It's not going to slow him it's, down it's, at all. Yeah. Well, oh, he's going to be chastened. <laughs> Speaking of chasing, do you think Ron DeSantis is chastened after that? I, I heard some. There are a lot of Republicans close to Ron DeSantis who are outraged, outraged that Trump did this. Republicans love sanctimonious politicians. What are you talking about? Have you seen Mike Pence? They're all sanctimonious. That's not yeah. a criticism. I, you know what? I know we've gone back and forth a few times. At least I have on like, could DeSantis do it? Could DeSantis take Trump down? It doesn't seem like he's even going to run at this point. Tom Cotton's out. I love Tom that Tom Cotton's Cotton, out. I like that Tom Cotton thinks he decided to not become president as opposed yeah. to the entire country being like, you have a repellent personality. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, we'll see. We'll see what the, the we we'll see what happens with the sanctimonious. It, it was, it was good timing. I wonder if Trump saw that, uh, that video that DeSantis, the DeSantis campaign made saying that God created Ron DeSantis on the eighth day, yeah. which is uh, one of the most sanctimonious things mm-hmm. I've ever seen in my entire life. So it was a, a, a fitting nickname. Two sets McCann. of footsteps. One yeah. of them, Ron DeSantis. Yeah. Oh, Ron was carrying. On the eighth day, imagine, imagine your job is to pave roads and keep the schools funded, and you <laughs> put out a fucking ad that says, "On the eighth day, God created me." What, did you read the game? Is he pe- is he is he he's negging the voters? Yeah, it's like peacocking. It's the yeah, most he's... disgusting thing. He's a weird guy. Yeah, it is a nickname that does draw uh, quite a distinction in, uh, with the charisma that uh, Donald Trump has versus the lack of charisma that Ron DeSantis. Yeah. I, be... still, I still like Miss Florida. I... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think you can be sanctimonious with a lot of charisma. Look at like every Bible thumping preacher on TV on Sunday, right? I mean, I don't yeah. know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Awesome. We'll see if this sticks. All right, we got one last set of polls and predictions from pollsters and forecasters over the weekend. Uh, The consensus is that Republicans are favored to win the House, though the forecast for the number of seats ranges from the low teens to the 40s. Uh, So everyone knows the average loss for a president's party in their first midterm is 27. Clinton lost 54, Obama lost 63, and Trump lost 40. Um, But the generic ballot polling average right now also has Republicans ahead by just one point. So who knows? The Senate is a real toss up with margin of error races for Democratic incumbents in Arizona, Georgia, Nevada, and New Hampshire, as well as the open Senate seat in Pennsylvania. There are also tight governor's races in Arizona, Michigan, Wisconsin, Nevada, and even New Mexico and Oregon. Uh, we, of course, don't do predictions nope, here. Not a damn Never, one. Not uh, so instead, I will ask you guys how you're feeling and what you're watching for on election night. What races are you going to be paying close attention to? What trends are you looking for? What are some of the big questions you want answered? I mean, I'm emotionally prepared for some losses. I'm just going to throw that out there because that tends to happen in the first midterm of uh, a president's first term. Um, so I'm really watching closely Pennsylvania uh, because I feel like there's a sort of choose your own adventure vibe to the polling coming out of Pennsylvania, the Senate race there in Georgia. Uh, we just got back from Nevada. We got to meet some really great candidates. I want all of them to win. Uh, Dina Titus, Susie Lee. We saw Jackie Rosen uh, while we were eating some tater tots at a restaurant near the airport. <laughs> so I don't know. That's those are the those are the races I'm watching. I'm also watching to see the hijinks that occur in the days after the election when we're still counting mail-in votes, and I'm getting increasingly anxious about that. Yeah, uh, I'm. I want to understand. I know we won't know this for a while, but I'm most interested in seeing in detail how uh, abortion and choice played out 
and where it drove engagement and where it didn't. You know, we've been talking about this in a couple of different places that you start to see that, you know, we had hoped, I think, especially right after Dom's when there was this moment of enthusiasm that it really might lead to kind of a wave of engagement and voting for people coming to kind of protect abortion rights. And my concern is in places where like California, where we can put Prop 1 uh, uh, through and protect abortion rights in the states, did it not have as big of an impact on other national races. Uh, in a lot of places you see kind of signaling from Republican politicians to let their voters, to let voters know that they're not as big of a threat to abortion rights as national Republicans are. Like, will that have an impact? Are people voting this as a values thing, as a practical protection in where they live thing or some combination? So that's like the, I wanna understand how that plays out because especially if Republicans uh, take the House uh, and or the Senate, we will have national Republicans pushing for a nationwide ban. I just want to understand how important and salient that's going to be for people. And then the other piece of it is, you know, you see these polls, they are, uh, have not been great. Um, but like, I want to, I'm, I'm curious how Gen Z turns out in this midterm. Do they overperform? Do they underperform? Do they hit what we expected? Uh, that is the thing that I am most interested in. Uh, yeah. So you have all the the forecasters and the polls and stuff like that. There's also like political scientists do these predictions and they do it like a year in advance. And it's based on sort of the president's approval, historic trends, the economy. And for this midterm with inflation like this and it being President Biden's first term, uh, they predict like, you know, 40 something seats that Democrats would lose. Right. And then lose the Senate for sure. And so I am very interested. And, and I would say also that in the last couple elections, basically ever since 2016, 2016, 2018, 2020, I think sometimes at the end of the race, the narrative and the polls sort of mismatch the fundamentals. And so like in 18, we thought it was going to be a huge blue wave and it ended up like the Republicans kept the Senate. In 20, it suddenly looked like Biden was like up by eight, nine, mm -hmm. 10. And some of these states ended up being a super close race. So the standard of like where the baseline for this race is Democrats lose up to 40 seats in probably the Senate. If we beat that, it's going to be interesting to see how much candidate quality really matters because we have talked all through this election season that we have nominated some really fantastic Democratic candidates. I'm especially watching Fetterman in Pennsylvania, Warnock in Georgia. We all love Katie Porter here in California, right, in Southern California. And um, and they have nominated some truly terrible candidates, especially in the Senate. And the question is, how much does candidate quality matter? Or is this just going to depend on the national environment and for larger forces? New Hampshire is a big example of that, too. Huge. Don Baldick yes. is a certified lunatic up at the Republican running up there. And, and by the way, I mean, it's, it's not just that Republicans have nominated terrible people in the Senate. They've nominated absolutely abysmal candidates in the House. And you even have Mitch McConnell. Uh, when he was asked, why is Kevin McCarthy seeming to be doing better in the polls than you are? And he said, well, because the candidate quality in the Senate matters. What he was saying is, oh, Kevin McCarthy's running a bunch of fucking morons, dopes and goons, but nobody knows who's running for the mm -hmm. House. They vote more like by the ticket. Yeah. yeah. Like Masters. Another one. Uh, but guys, forget about the House, the Senate, the future of the democracy. The, the pollsters are the ones on the hot seat Tuesday night. You know <laughs> what I mean? The Nates are on the hot seat. Harry Enton, we're watching you. G. Elliott. Guy, the economist, G. Elliot, sleep with one eye Here's open, I, pal. I, I think that basically Trafalgar. <laughs> I think I think all the Nates. I think there's a, I think there's what ten Nates at this point, right? They've been whatever it's, number of it, Nates. Basically, it ebbs and flows yeah. by the day. But um, I think that um, all Nates should Their be basically. You should have like a, a long board, 
and uh, the edge of the board should be hanging over a pool mm -hmm. and you should be standing on the board and they should have to take a step further and further out on the board as the night moves along and whoever's uh, model is better gets to walk back off. But otherwise you just jump off your side I'm of the sorry, board. are you a pirate? Are they walking the plank? It's a pool. I'm not trying to kill anybody. <laughs> what is the pool so full? it's just a refreshing dip. Yeah, it's just a kind of dunk oh. tank situation. I wasn't just oh, like so more so into it. It's nice. all in good fun. That sounds fun. It's One serious note on the polls. If they are wrong again in the same way they were wrong in 2018 and 2020, like, come no on, people. No for you. And everyone's like, well, they were pretty right in 2020. Yeah, in, in 2018. Yeah, they were pretty accurate in 2018, except in certain places where then they were very wrong again in 2020 and had been wrong in the same time. It's non-response bias with non-college educated voters. If we have that problem again, it's time to fucking... We're so... To do out. what? What do you want them to do, John? Well, just admit that that's the problem because every time yeah. after the election, a bunch of... Uh, you'll heal from a bunch of nates that are like, eh, well, it's just sometimes the directions, the, the polling errors in the other direction. It's like, it hasn't been in the other direction for a while. People. Yeah. I just don't know what I want to understand. Like, we'll see, but it's a sort of like... Ha like like it just seems like each time they should be correcting for that and the next time it shouldn't be as bad for it. um i'm also wondering like does the 2018 anti-trump coalition show up mm -hmm. right in a midterm it was a record turnout in 2018 and people who turned out people turned out in a midterm that usually just turn out in presidential elections on the democratic side will those folks still show up will the trump voters from 16 and 20 who often don't vote in midterms show up and then make it another extremely high turnout election obviously i'm going to be looking at uh, how many election deniers win uh, very interested and this is one well it'll also take some time to figure out like how do democrats do with working class voters especially working class latino voters and black men who we've seen some uh some losses with in recent elections and then do we have trouble in blue places like oregon new york the mayor's race here in los angeles <laughs> which I know is well, between two Democrats. But yeah, then really. we're in big trouble. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the mayor's race here in Los Angeles speaks to the broader problem that we're all just a nerd to and don't talk about anymore, which is the utterly broken campaign finance process that we have that leads to a Georgia Senate race, I think costing $250 million all yeah. in. Yeah, quarter of a billion dollars for the quarter of a billion dollars, and, and it's and, and it's going to go to a runoff. runoff. Very likely to go to a runoff. <laughs> Maybe, uh. Oh God, it's going to go to a runoff. I'm just keep getting more emails. It's like like, hi John, it's Raphael. I'm holding a dachshund off the edge of a cliff. Can you <laughs> donate seven dollars and fifty cents right so, now, guys? I got to admit something really embarrassing. I I saw an email in my um my Gmail the other day from Adam Schiff, and it was like, hey, hope you're well. Uh, got caught. And the trick-or-treaters, you know, have been fun. And I was like, oh, cool, Adam Schiff emailed me fundraising. And you know that's not Jennifer Lopez in your DMs, right? <laughs> Even though she did send an old picture of her. I yeah. <laughs> Weird. Uh, usually, when, usually when people text you, they send a picture of themselves, yeah. right, in the text. And they don't, ask, they don't ask for your password. Right. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How do you cope when there's something weighing on you or something you need to get off your chest? You know the best way to do it? Best way to cope is to talk about it. Not just cram it down, not do what generations of New Englanders have done, just stuff their feelings down, maybe cover it with a coat of booze. No, you got to talk to someone, you got to work it out, get it off your chest. And just by doing that, you will feel better. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. 
Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash PSA. Go today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash PSA. Donald Trump can't leave the courtroom, so just to rub it in a little, Pod Save America is going on tour. He's probably asleep right now, but if he were conscious, he'd be so, so jealous. The Democracy or Else tour begins in Brooklyn on June 26th, followed by Boston on June 28th. Then we go to Madison, Phoenix, Ann Arbor, and Philly. See all the tour dates and get your tickets now at crooked.com slash events. All right, people, we all know the stakes of the 2024 election are high, whether it's keeping the Senate, taking back the House, or stopping Republicans at the state level. If you're ready to make a real difference, sign up for Vote Save America's 2024 volunteer program. And just to make it interesting, we're pitting you against each other. Vote Save America will sort you onto a team east or west, and you'll compete with a community of other volunteers to maximize your impact on the ground with opportunities tailored to you and the causes you care about. The team with the highest volunteering staff could secure the biggest prize of all, the continuation of American democracy. Head to votesaveamerica.com slash 2024 now and get ready to organize or else. This message has been paid for by Vote Save America. You can learn more at votesaveamerica.com, and this ad has not been authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. So let's do something useful for people listening. Like, when should people expect to know the results in some of these big races? Uh, go to bed, wake <laughs> up, do a day of work, go to bed, and then wake up, and then we should know. Okay, that's good. I, I have I have a list. Big states will know on election night. Uh, New Hampshire, Florida, Virginia. They count the votes pretty fast. We'll probably know everything. In Virginia, there will be some swingy districts that will give us a signal about where everything's going. Very important. What Tommy just said. Uh, Dave Wasserman says uh, these are the ones to watch in Virginia. So if Elaine Luria holds on in Virginia too, uh, it should be a better night for Democrats than expected. If Abigail Spanberger loses in Virginia seven, it's likely that Republicans win over twenty seats. If Annie Cooster in New Hampshire. Or Jennifer Wexton in Virginia lose. Feeling my nerves. Uh, Republicans are likely to win over 30 seats. This is all according to you know, it's funny Dave Wasserman, John who has seen enough. John could have slipped in a fake race there, and we would have no idea. <laughs> no clue. Yeah. Uh, those are the big ones we'll know on election night. Uh, Wednesday, not until Wednesday, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, Wisconsin. It's likely that not until election day or even on Wednesday, some of those states can even start counting their mail-in ballots and absentee ballots because of... Which Republicans in, passing laws to make it so Pennsylvania that... Pennsylvania Republicans. Yeah. yeah. And then even to. longer than Wednesday, Nevada, mm-hmm. uh, they, they're counting ballots up until November 15th. Uh, Arizona, which is a, basically a mostly mail-in state, and right here in California... For sure, California. The mayor's race, the congressional races here, it could be a couple weeks. So just so everyone knows. There are going to be some hot takes about what's happening in California. Some will come from us. Some from us. (laughs) Ignore them. We'll try to keep them cooler. If it's really close and we need to do kind of like a Brooks Brothers uh, riot insurrection kind of thing, meet you at Blue Ribbon Sushi at the Grove. Yeah, for sure. What kind of insurrection? We're just doing (laughs) a sit-in. No, no, no. Look, if it's looking like Caruso is winning, we're going to be like, we were always for Rick Caruso. Our wonderful I mean, mayor. I'm not, I'm not not going to the Grove anymore. Yeah, we're going to the Grove. <laughs> we're going to the Grove. Um, it's, where the, it's where we keep our cheesecake factory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a great cheesecake factory. Finally, we're also, about to- Also, one of the Americana. <laughs> so, there's two of them. <laughs> All right, we're about, to, we're about to hear from some of the organizers, volunteers, and candidates we talked to in Nevada over the weekend. Before we do, um, we should talk a bit about how it felt on the ground out there. What'd you guys think? 
It felt good out there. I mean, I don't know. We met a lot of really great volunteers. Democracy feels better on the ground when you're not on Twitter yelling at Nate's. Uh, and we met a lot of really awesome volunteers who were, you know, in campaign offices at 9 a.m. on Saturday and Sunday, getting ready to knock doors and, you know, for Susie Lee and for Dina Titus and the Nevada Democratic Party. Yeah, it's like we were talking to uh, uh, one activist, like she has a full-time job, she has two kids, and she's organizing to pass the Equal Rights Amendment in Nevada and doing endorsements and knocking on doors. And it's like, God, what a bunch of, what a bunch of lazy oafs we are. Yeah, we're and good people. Like, no cynicism everywhere. Everyone's so excited. It's just like, I know it sounds cheesy when we say like, oh, it makes you go feel better to go knock on doors. But, you know, we left that event Sunday morning with Susie Lee and all those volunteers were like, yeah, like obviously the, the bigger picture looks pretty bleak right now. But like these people are they're they're turning out. They're working hard. It was great. Yeah. Love well, got in a pitched battle with a um, mm-hmm. Amherst sophomore. Oh, yeah. yeah. About you'll, which you'll be college is cooler, Williams or Amherst? In the package. We, yeah, stay tuned for that, for so the battle. It's a debate where everybody loses. Um, Kid got the last one. We should last, also say, last. by the way. He was great, by the way. We've warned you against uh, looking too much into the early vote, but we've kept saying that uh, the exception is Nevada and John Ralston, who knows the data in that state better than almost anyone and has accurately predicted most of the big races over the last decade. So his final predictions last night were that Catherine Cortez Masto holds on, that Steve Sisolak, the Democratic governor, loses, and that uh, Democrats hold two of the three House seats. Uh, he thinks that Susie Lee doesn't doesn't eke it out, which would piss me off because she was wonderful. And we she, was really she was really good. She was really. It was really. And then he does think that speech. Dems yeah. win the uh, Secretary of State and AG races, which is good because there's That'd a bunch of crazy fucking election deniers. Uh, so we'll see. Ralston could be from, wrong. Everyone. From from Ralston's lips to God's ears, as we always say. <laughs> That's what we always say. Here. <laughs> Follow John Ralston, the Nevada Independent. He's a great reporter. Mm. All right. With that, let's hear more from some of the folks that we met in Las Vegas. This is producer Olivia Martinez. We're here in campaign headquarters. We've got a big sign that says, Days Until Election Day, 3. Another sign that says, Trump, Putin, 24. Shake it out. Shake it Shay, Shay, Shay. Hi, um, your name is Shay. It is. My name is Shay. So wait, why did you want to come here and knock on doors? Uh, it's been on my to-do list to canvas, and I've been kicking myself to do it for the past three or four months. Um, and I realized today is the, this weekend's the last opportunity. Um, and I woke up at 8.55, and it's 9.31, and I'm here. And I, just because it's an audio medium, I do want people to understand that Shay is wearing Saturday morning sunglasses indoors. Oh, I... You're lucky I brushed my teeth. I wouldn't be doing this interview if I forgot to do that. Hell yeah. Really close. What gets you up to kind of come here? What what issues are like the most important to you personally? Um, abortion access and a woman's right to choose is a huge issue. Um, but every time I listen to the news and they talk about the democracy stuff, January 6th stuff, that affects everything. So that de- democracy is the number one issue. My name is Margie Feldman, and I am the chapter lead of Nevada Jewish Dems. I'm I'm here for so many reasons today, and it gives me a lot of energy to not be afraid, but actually go out there and talk to people. And then we find most people want the freedoms, even if they're not willing to say that or put that sign on their front lawn. What keeps me in the fight is I know what the world can be. I know what freedom feels like. I know what democracy feels like. And it's important that we don't give that up. We're here at the Nevada Victory Democratic Headquarters. There's a lot of really excited canvassers who are just so fired up. 
Um, can we get your name and what you do here? Yeah, so my name is Hutch. I'm the Deputy GOTV Director here at Nevada Democratic Victory. That's my title, but I run the high school program. Awesome. Can you tell us a little more about the high school program and how it came to be? Yeah, so, I mean, really, we just knew that going out into this community specifically was going to make or break this entire election, right? So it's really important to do that kind of early investment here and making sure that we had good messengers to do that investment. And these kids were basically, you can't think of anybody better to do that, right? So 90% of our program is bilingual. Everybody is from this neighborhood specifically, and everybody, you know, a lot of time they might knock on the door where they know their aunt, they know their mom, something like that, that lives in that neighborhood. So we knew that that was going to be really important, um, and so we started investing in this program all the way back in July. Um, you know, our first shift, we only had like 20 kids at it, and now we're doing like 40 every three hours. Um, I mean, this just this election's way too important to sit out, right? I mean, Republicans, right, their solution to inflation, things like that, are to take your grandma's health insurance and make it harder for women to buy, um, get, to get health care, really, right? So they're not a serious party that has serious solutions. Um, we are, right? Like, we got to be the adults in this room. We got to fight against, um, you know, rising health care costs. We got to make sure we're bringing good jobs here in Nevada. And I know that these candidates are doing that, and these kids are just the best messenger we could ever possibly ask to do that. Love it. Where are we at? Uh, we are in Henderson, Nevada. We are now in a strip mall parking lot waiting for a ride share to take us to a diner. To take us to a diner. Thanks so much. Hi, I'm John. What's your name? Sander. And you're here today to knock on some doors? I'm here today to knock on some doors. Uh, I actually go to Amherst, so I thought you would not be pleased. With some two-bit some two-bit college in Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah, so I came up for the election to, uh, to knock on some doors to get some votes. I couldn't stay back in Massachusetts where we know what's going to happen so I wanted to come out and help what year are you sophomore look at this look how look how look how young sophomores are now <laughs> look at how look at how young they've become this sucks it goes to some dump in Massachusetts that only the worst people go to i could say the same about williams <laughs> this interview is over all right so we're in the car we are heading from we're we in the east side? We're, yes, we're in the east side of Las Vegas. We're heading on the east side of Las Vegas to the 2 p.m. event with Congresswoman Titus. <laughs> Love is uh, fading fast. Uh, Those four espresso shots not holding you over. Thank you. Ooh, ooh. Thank you. Hi, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. How are you guys doing? Everyone here understands the stakes in this election. Everyone here understands that, uh, that, that choice is at stake, that protecting Medicare and Social Security is at stake, uh, that having people that will actually fight to lower costs for people versus fighting for the richest and biggest corporations in this country is at stake. Everyone here understands it's what's at stake. You know, we, we host this show, Pod Save America. We, we started this media company because we were frustrated. We were frustrated because we felt like the big outlets don't really tell people the stakes. They treat it like a game. And on top of that, we have all this noise on social media that confuses and confounds and spreads misinformation. And then on top of that, we have Fox News and all of its satellites that are drowning us in misleading and, and deceptive information to try to scare people, divide people, drive people to focus on, on, on our worst instincts rather than, than our best. And we have tens of millions, hundreds of millions of do dollars of dark money dropping on top of us every single day. And, and so whose job is it? Uh, to tell people what's really at stake, because we know if they understood, if they really got what, what, what's on the ballot, that we would win. I see moms demand action, that people would understand the, the stakes between gun safety and deregulation. That, so who is going to do that work? Well, it's going to be us in the home stretch of this election knocking on doors. The media won't do it. 
There's a lot of people trying to hurt, not help. But if we go door to door and have the most effective interactions that anyone can have, which is face-to-face -face interactions or, or, or person-to-person interactions, if we can do that uh, you know, here uh, uh, in Nevada, if we can do that across the country, we will win. So thank you all for coming out to do that work, to close that gap, because everybody here gets it. Now it's our job to go make sure our friends and our family and our neighbors get it. So thank you so much. My name is Vanita Starks, and I live here in Henderson, Nevada. And I would like to say this. If you don't want to find yourself behind the eight ball in January, and you don't want to see your Social Security benefits chopped, your health care chopped, your right to choose, ladies, your right to choose chopped, if you don't want to see your taxes go up, and the top 1% get that big giant cut again, let's not go backward, let's move forward. You know, I'd like to see Nevada move forward. And so that's why I vote a blue ticket all the way down, and I'm gonna to continue to do that, and let's go Nevada. My name is Mark, and I'm out today with uh, EDF Action, it's the advocacy partner of the Environmental Defense Fund. And the thing about living in Vegas, is I think we're living in the middle of a desert and we're acutely aware that our water supply is finite. Uh, if we don't do some pretty drastic things to deal with that, uh, this whole swath of the country may be uninhabitable in, you know, 20 years. And some of our elected leaders here in Las Vegas have made tremendous steps and we've got to keep electing leaders who are going to keep pushing that and fighting that and, and uh, spreading those changes. We're here with Congressman Dina Titus uh, in the home stretch. How's it going out there? How's it feel? What are the vibes? Well, it's been a tough election, and that's why we're working so hard to get all the voters out that we need. Uh, some is mail-in, some is coming to the polls. Uh, that'll happen on Tuesday, of course. But I'm feeling more optimistic because we got so many people on the ground. we got a good game going. Everybody, unions are working. Uh, I think it's going to pull it through. Do you have one thing you'd want to say to people who are listening who are either who live in Nevada or have family and friends out there, what would you say to them? It's Monday night. I'd say it's critical to turn out because the issues are so clear and the differences are so stark between what we stand for and what they stand for. If you want to move forward, come out and vote for us. If you want to slide back to the good old days that weren't that damn good for a lot of people, they're your candidates. I got you a vote today. And let me tell you how. Okay. Uh, I hit my limit on the ATM, so I had to get a cash advance. Uh, and I was talking to the cashier at the casino, and, I, and she saw my hat, and she said, uh, you think I should vote on Tuesday? I'm pretty busy on Tuesday. She's like, I always vote for the Democrats. And I said, have you seen some of these people that Dina Titus is up against, that Catherine Cortez Masto is up against? She's like, yeah, they're pretty nuts, aren't they? I guess maybe I should make some time to vote. So I just want you to know wow. that because I lost so much, so quickly, I got you a vote. Yeah. And he intends to go to every casino on the strip. And I'll do that everywhere. I'll go door to door. So uh, I went to the bathroom for one minute, and I come out, and my coworkers, my partners, my co-hosts, best friends are doing a pop-up press conference without me. Yeah, sorry. Uh, the congresswoman showed up, and she's like, aren't there supposed to be three of you? Isn't one called Tommy? <laughs> yeah. Tommy came back and then took pictures of us because he thinks it's funny when he sees us pretending to be like politicians, and we find it uh, extremely embarrassing. <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, look, I think... Uh, we did a great job, and um, we did it. We closed the deal. We closed the deal for Nevada, and uh, that's the most important thing.
Are you like me and tracking the polls obsessively this election year? Well, Dan Pfeiffer's right there with you, and he's taking them seriously, but not literally. Take an average of the polls. Don't forget about any one poll. And the thing that we try to tell everyone in every episode of this podcast is a poll that has Biden up to and a poll that has Biden down to, they all tell you the exact same thing, which is this is a very, very close race. The goal of this podcast is to help people understand polling and freak out about it just a little bit less. Explore the latest polls, what they actually mean, and whether or not it's time to hit the panic button. Tune into Polar Coaster with Dan Pfeiffer, Cricket's latest subscriber-exclusive show. To get access, subscribe to our Friends of the Pod community only at cricket.com slash friends. Donald Trump can't leave the courtroom, so just to rub it in a little, Pod Save America is going on tour. He's probably asleep right now, but if he were conscious, he'd be so, so jealous. The Democracy or Else tour begins in Brooklyn on June 26th, followed by Boston on June 28th. Then we go to Madison, Phoenix, Ann Arbor, and Philly. See all the tour dates and get your tickets now at crooked.com slash events. Guys, it's been a rough year. It's going to get rougher, and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet. You could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender, do your worst. But we have a better idea for you, which is pick out something from the Crooked store. The store is stocked with tons of new merch. It's perfect for the spring. And classics like the friend of the pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship, depending on how things go. Pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead, a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year, or a hat celebrating your favorite pod. Go to crooked.com slash store to shop. All right, before we go, uh, we're going to play a little game, and we have with us our fearless producer, Hallie Kiefer, who's going to run it. Oh, hi. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thanks for coming back. Of course. Well, yeah, I was like, I refuse, but you begged me to have, to have me back on, and I agreed. <laughs> um, this is true. Uh, but uh, on the lighter side of things, I guess hypothetically, by which I mean the light of the burning pyre that is Twitter, Elon Musk has officially paused the rollout of his new Twitter Blue, which of course famously was going to be $7.99 for a monthly subscription to get a check. Um, it was initially scheduled to start today. Uh, they kind of soft launched it over the weekend. It didn't really go well. But fortunately, the new abomination will reportedly go live November 9th, providing Twitter successful and allegedly trying to hire back a lot of the people they fired. Apparently, they're doing that. So things are going great over there. <laughs> And I just wanted to add before we play the game, did you see his tweet to like who he thinks you should vote for and yeah. why? Yeah. And I just want to read it for the in case a viewer, if you're not on Twitter, um, he tweeted, shared power curbs the worst excesses of both party. Therefore, I recommend voting for a Republican Congress, given that the presidency is Democratic. That might be the craziest things he, he's ever said. Oh, I don't know at this point. He's just he's uh, a real asshole. He's just a low info. He's just a low information voter. He thinks he's a high information voter. Yeah. And yeah. I do think Lovett should be put on trial at the Hague forever, on lowly, ever saying that he's mm. a genius, oh. which has come up. And I think it should be put to task. I'm sorry. The, 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 I reject. My car drives itself. I reject the liberal dogma <laughs> that says that you must hate everyone absolutely if you disagree with them politically. The guy did start a rocket company. Well, I think he's smart. And so I love him. I think yes, just because you don't have to love him, he's he started a rocket company. He's good at building rockets and electric cars, and uh, he's bad at politics and communication. You can be a genius asshole. Yes, and that's what we're talking about. I, I, I don't like him. I don't think he's stupid. You love him. You love, love him. him. I love him. Your car does. You drive your car 
own that. I do. Thank love you. it. Love it. Already paid for Twitter Blue. Actually, that's uh, that's a good segue, right? Now. <laughs> uh, wait, is that true? Did you? No. Okay. <laughs> um, obviously, love it Big is vowed news. on this very podcast not to pay. That's right. Um, because he doesn't want to be doused in a creamy New England clam chowder <laughs> or a delicious etouffee by a morally upright stranger, <laughs> as if he was a Van Gogh. Um, but I do think I could talk one of you into Shelly got your heart in cash if you were actually getting something of value. So I'm just going to give you a couple scenarios. Okay. Uh, I, I this was crowdsourced from. Uh, the everyone here at Crooked. So I would say these fall into political, uh-huh. um, realistic features. And then a category I would describe as simply horny. So I'm going <laughs> to try to pick from each and you guys can react. The first one, will you tell me which way you think it lands? So um, Twitter Blue is, okay, it is $7.99 a month. But if you get it, you do get Matt Iglesias' tweets a whole hour earlier. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, a, a, a Matt Iglesias tweet window. Oh. <sighs> You know, I don't. I don't think that's worth. I mean, yeah. I mean, I eight every, bucks a month. I read his Substack all the time. So why do I need the tweets? I'm leaving. <laughs> oh wow! Oh, we got a we got a we got a slow boring head over here. <laughs> um. Okay. Great. I think you guys made the right choices. Oh, so here's another. Uh, one. you'll tell me if this is enough? Twitter Blue. Oh, yes, it is seven ninety nine a month. But you get a feature that turns off all discourse, so you can just enjoy the jokes. Oh, oh absolutely. that's great. I'd pay $100 a month. Oh, oh. if there was a switch, <laughs> if there was like an, a, a, a politics on, politics yes. off, like sports on, sports off jokes, I would pay for that in a heartbeat. But who are, it's got to be the uh, good jokes, though. And it's sure. hard I don't want sure, any sure, of these. Sure, sure, I don't sure. want any of these lame political, political people who think jokes, that yeah. they uh, just came up with a good joke or the people who are like, oh, I'm going to be the first one to make this joke, even though it was made, you know, by 10,000 other people. Even when that's me. Yeah, I was going to say, it's Especially hard because you. I feel like some of the people, oh, they are political, but then occasionally they'll have a banger. You know, yeah, like once yeah. every six months, you The know? thing about it is that, you know, you either either die funny or you live long enough to become this. Right. You know? or Louder the, for people in the, the back. back. Or the do you carry a sink to your new job yeah. to do carrot top prop. I'm more miss depraved. One thing that, uh, like. Just putting this right here. That, you know, Twitter at its best and worst, it's everybody having the one conversation Elon buying Twitter has made Twitter as bad a place to be as it's ever been. There is way too little outside of that. And it just it, like it used to be for so many years, like there was just a kind of steady hum of weird Twitter being funny and strange and, and interesting. And like these little kind of paths you could go down and find these like strange little pockets of really interesting, funny people. And I think all those people lost their minds. Uh, and no new people came to replace them. Some of the best minds of our generation have been lost on Twitter. Yeah, yeah I'd say there, there are just or, talking and, about and mostly past generations. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a certain kind of uh, listen. There's a certain kind of uh, uh, people that you would have thought as as like brilliant minds that were absolutely rotted out yeah. by the internet, just completely destroyed by it. So I really wish if Twitter is going to survive, it's not going to be because Elon is tweeting weird political things or kind of trolling fucking Kathy Griffin. The people, whole conversation make, about Twitter used to be a conversation about Donald Trump for a while, which is like was not great, but it was at least somewhat understandable because he was president of the United States and held a lot of power. Now the whole thing is a fucking conversation about Elon Musk. It sucks. It's it very boring. Keep, well, that in mind, I have one of the horny ones. Um, oh, good, 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 good. So yes, Twitter Blue, you pay for it. It's seven ninety nine a month. But if you do, you get to experience the the chaotic energy uh, around that one uh, Beto tweet that one time, <laughs> and you get to whatever you want. You get to like have it sort of a black 
mirror type of situation where like at any point in time you get to feel the chaos we all felt back in 2018, which I do think was a demarcating line in terms of political horniness on Twitter we never recovered from. Wait, is this the... Oh, oh, did you want to say... I will read the text. Some people might not have heard this tweet. Oh, no. I mean, I could could reset it for memory, but you... I mean, if you you want to. If you have kids in the car, I know we swear too much, this is your warning to really turn down. And if you're alone in the car, pull the wheel into (laughs) oncoming traffic. Um, I was thought you were going to pull over and enjoy yourself. I thought, that's a, yeah, I thought he was going to go there, too. Um, yeah, sorry. I, I, I only put the uh, worst part of it in my uh, notes here. Here we go. Thank you, knowyourmeme.com. Here we go. So this is a tweet. I'm not going to name the person because we've all been here. We've all thought this about something. And we all thought, we all thought don't put it on Twitter. Just think it yourself, right? Like, think a weird thought. Instead, this woman said, no, today is my day. Um, and she's talking about um, oh, oh, Ojeda. I believe is that, is that how you pronounce the candidate? Ojeda and Avenatti as candidates are like the guy who thinks good sex is pumping away while you're making a grocery list in your head, wondering when he'll be done. O'Rourke was like the guy who's all sweet and nerdy, but holds you down and makes you come until your calves cramp. Oh my God. Oh. That, I remember that. I was like, we have passed the Rubicon. <laughs> this is like a, and I think that's what, I, I, I mean, you know, maybe it's my algorithm, but I feel like this weekend was just like, oh, it is no holds bar. Everyone is saying whatever they want, both politically and personally. So we're paying seven ninety nine a month for that. To feel vibe. that feeling, that that feeling? Yeah, for your calves to cramp. Wait. Oh, well, oh, oh, oh. That, okay. Yeah, I think you have to pay more for that. Okay. The actual experience. I'm saying that every month you pay, and that tweet or whatever it could be a tweet of similar insanity is re- wiped from your head, black mirror style, and once a month you get to experience it all over again, and it's new to you. Uh, yeah, I'll do it. Sure. Yeah, sure. That's yeah, a good that's laugh. 95 bucks a year that's, for a that's, good that's laugh. That's more valuable oh, than yeah. a check mark for sure. Um, uh, we have to have a couple more here. We actually have dozens. So I'm trying to figure out which ones are, are, are most applicable. But every time, okay, Twitter Blue is $7.99 a month. But every time you retweet a politician, you were texted or email one last time from their campaign mm. where they're begging and screaming at you to give them $3. Oh. Uh, I don't want one less time. I would pay for it if I could just shut that off. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah unsubscribe. Then I'd pay. Then RT I'd pay. for unsubscribe. Yeah. Done. Sold. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that. For sure. Um, just I oh, have two left here. I'm gonna go. Um uh Twitter blue is seven ninety nine per month, but all internet slang before twenty twenty is automatically muted. You never oh, have to see yeah. Doggo again. And and I will also say Can we do twenty twenty one? Can we get can we, let's go or, yeah, let's, let's I'm adding it to the okay, to the great, algorithms. Twenty twenty one. There were some bad ones in there. Yeah. Because I feel like that's I get you know, when we came up on the internet, that was just there was so much of that and I still occasionally see it. It's like we're not doing that. If, just uh, call it a dog. Says, I love someone that. says I'll kiddos or doggos, yeah. I'm out. I also don't want to ever see the word Dobby. I I understand people loved Harry Potter. If I see that little gross man's name or whatever it is, a <laughs> goblin or something. Yeah, what are the other ones? Yeah, a word that you're like, never make me see this again. Just the phrases are so bad. This you? (laughs) This you. Ladder for the people in the back. All the cliches. Yeah. I don't know who needs to hear this, but... I don't know who needs to hear this. Sure you do. You just tweeted it. Yeah. You know exactly who needs to hear it. (laughs) It's actually nobody seeing this. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah, I'd love to eradicate all of that language. Yep, I'm in. Great. Okay. Normalize X. Yeah. A lot of normalizing. Yeah. Um, and finally, um, you do get the URL for Elon's secret alt account, and he does post frequent nudes no. for $7.99. <laughs> However, it's actually very humanizing and makes you like him more, which you feel more complicated about. No. no. I'm paying $8 a month for Elon nudes, yeah. and I have to like him more at the end? You don't have to. It's just a sort of a natural process. You see him, <laughs> see a part of himself you didn't expect to ever see. You're like, I guess you are a person, and you have whatever weird thing you have, but don't we all? But don't we all? 
don't we? I, that's the only one I would pay for. I'd like to pay uh, $7.99 a month to not be reminded that every person on the other end of a Twitter account is a person. Well, I'd like to continue to see sort of them the as experience we have now. Yeah, right. That's true, value. yeah. We get to experience well, that for free. Sometimes it's not, I guess. It's sort of bots. Yeah. Do it carrying Elon's water now. <laughs> Try to get yeah. out of this whole transaction. I knew I'd bots. bring you back around to it. Do we have, do we have one more? Um, yeah, definitely. Oh, Let's that, see. Thought, that Let's do end? one more. Let's do one more. Let's one more. do okay. one more. Um, the Krasensteins come back. Oh, yeah. Get them back. I'm paying for that? I'm paying to get the Krasensteins back? You're paying. And that, that money's going right in their pocket. Think how of the joy that? that that will bring to so many people. You know, they've been a little bit... How many, um, how many texts will send about the Krasenstein tweets? They've been a little bit usurped by the Occupy Democrats, Democrats people. That are like, uh, you know, uh, uh, Don Jr. is a piece of shit with a bad haircut, and he just insulted Josh <laughs> Shapiro. Retweet if you think Don Jr. is a piece of shit. That's better than what they do. <laughs> that was good. Um, and then just in general, I just like, is the, I just wanted to ask, is sort of like, is Twitter important? Like, is what is happening to it important? Because I feel like it's like, as people who are on it, it's like, oh no. But if you're not on it, it's sort of like, like you said, like going in, like in person to to canvas and like do things is much more important. And then we sort of have this myopic platform that's being destabilized. Like what is sort of the how do we look at it sort of like from 60,000 feet? Do you guys have any feelings about that? I would say that it has outsized influence because every journalist in the world is on it. And so much of the media coverage that people base their information off of and and make decisions off of is is shaped by Twitter. So unfortunately, it has an outsized impact, even though it is does not have as many people as many other most other social media platforms. So and I think it's useful to have some kind of a national conversation going. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, it has become shitty over the last several years. And Elon is driving it into the ground as fast as he can. Yeah, I, I would say I would say. Twitter is important insofar as a group of people who help shape the national conversation view it as a place where people come to shape the national conversation. But there will be a hinge point and it could be we don't know when it will be. It could be soon based on how quickly Elon is sort of eviscerating the place that all of a sudden, if it's just journalists who don't feel like they're getting a sense of what the the lefty pundits are saying and what the what the the right pundits are saying, if it doesn't feel like that kind of like. Uh, like bleeding edge of a national political conversation where people come to kind of hear from like, you know, the 1000 people who shape the political debate. If that doesn't feel like what it is, I think all of a sudden it'll it'll stop being useful and then it won't be important to be there and then everyone will have to go somewhere else because we do want that space. That space is valuable. It just doesn't have to be Twitter. Yeah, it was never as important as some people thought it was, especially the Twitter founders who thought they were responsible for the Arab Spring and stuff like eyes rolled so far back into my head that I nearly died. I think its importance was waning long before Elon Musk came around because there's other platforms where you can reach way more people instead of talking to a chat room full of losers. But again, if you brought back Brian Krasenstein, you could get content like, well, many of you are likely yelling, go Patriots or go Rams. I'm yelling, go Robert Mueller and the rule of law. That's a good yeah, one. That, that is gold. Good. Yeah. I, I paid to experience that, that tweet. Um, I guess I'll see y'all on TikTok. See you on TikTok. Yeah. See you there. Thank you All for right. playing. Great game. Hallie Kiefer, thanks for joining Pod Save America. Thanks to everyone uh, we talked to in Nevada who's out there knocking on doors. Be one of those people in these final hours before the election. And uh, we'll talk to you on the other side. Bye, everyone. Pod Save America is a Crooked Media production. The executive producer is Michael Martinez. Our senior producer is Andy Gardner-Bernstein. Our producers are Haley Muse and Olivia Martinez. It's mixed and edited by Andrew Chadwick. 
Kyle Seglin and Charlotte Landis sound engineered the show. Thanks to Hallie Kiefer, Ari Schwartz, Sandy Gerard, Andy Taft, and Justine Howe for production support. And to our digital team, Elijah Cohn, Phoebe Bradford, Milo Kim, and Amelia Montu. Our episodes are uploaded as videos at youtube.com slash podsaveamerica. America.